Our second reading comes from Paul's letter to the Christians of Corinth, the first chapter. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you will be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it, for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarreling among you, my brothers and sisters. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that, none, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. This is the word of the Lord. Grace and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So that as I prepared my message this week, I took a little bit of a walk down memory lane. That it's been three years since the last time I preached on this passage of Scripture. That I looked back on it, and there in the midst of things is that there we talked about that fact of that we live in a world divided by many things, divided politically, divided nationally, divided in so many different ways. So we talked about the church being divided and struggling in the midst of that. We, div- we discussed that fact that we live in that divided, individualistic society. That I remember giving a stirring sermon, I'm sure. Is it... I don't know if you remember, is that right after that time is that there was something that took place right after 2020, uh, right after the start of 2020, I don't know, is that I gave this stirring message about people getting along and not being divided, not having that division that separates us, and then the pandemic happened, right? And we all got along, right? Is that I remember when we all got started and that that token phrase was thrown out, we're all in this together. Yeah, that happened for about a day. (laughs) And then all of the differences of opinion, all of the separations, all of indeed the schisms and the feelings and all of the thoughts came out. Is that we have come in so many ways already three years from all of that But do we live in a world that is fundamentally different? That we find ourselves just as much divided and separated on so many things as a nation, as a people, as a culture and society. That we find ourselves still living in days where the church continues to be often more attacking one another or itself than living as that united brothers and sisters in Christ. That we still live in a world that continues to remind us day after day after day that you are the judge, the measure, that you are the one that says what is right, what is wrong, what is true, what is false. You get to be the one. And so Paul steps into all of this. 
And all of our divisions, all of our struggle, all of our quarreling and strife. And he speaks to us these words that I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would agree and that there would be no divisions among you, but that you may in all things be united together in the same mind, in the same judgment, be those people connected with one another. So how are we doing with that? Not just as our individual church, but even as our church body or our churches or our community. How are we doing of being of one mind, one judgment, one same connection? See, Paul was writing to a church who in many ways was finding itself being torn apart simply ripped at the seams and continuing to be those that bickered and feuded and fought about so much. That Paul writes to these Christians in Corinth and begins to appeal to them to be united and connected, but what was it that was indeed tearing them apart? See, we like to think that somehow people that lived in days gone by that they were so much more primitive than us, (laughs) that there was so much difference from us. But the fact is, is that for them, just like us, that what was it that was being torn apart and ripping them apart at the seams? But the very fact that there was so much of their past, so much of their rest of their week, so much of their life as they knew it that continued to find itself into all of their days and all of their ways. That it didn't matter when they came together as church, when they carried with them all of the baggage of the rest of the week. That don't we have a little bit of that same struggle? That what is it that we are carrying with us from our past or carrying with us from our week? What is it that we're bringing in here from outside? And where is it in our lives that we find ourselves sometimes hoping and wishing and thinking that things should be different, that if we are connecting with Christ within our worship? See, every year when we start our confirmation classes, our instruction with our junior high students, that we always talk about the same thing. That if this class, one hour a week, is meant to be the place that you get everything that you know about Christ, and then all of the rest of the hours of the week, Christ is not mentioned, who do you think is going to win that battle? (laughs) Is that in the midst of our own lives, is that who's winning that very war in our lives, Christ or culture, is that where do we find ourselves in so many ways carrying all of the baggage, all of the struggles, all of the issues of things out there into our relationship with Him in here? that where are we still finding ourselves divided, still finding ourselves torn apart? Paul, 39 times in this letter, appeals to these people calling them brothers and sisters. 39 times does Paul have to try to appeal to them of we are one family, one people, those that are joined together. 
together. But what do we see? What do we see too often at work in them, but also too often at work within us? That we begin to see as Paul lays it out, that one group among them says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Is that I follow Cephas, and some among them were saying, I follow Christ. Well, that's good, but who are they? (laughs) See, Paul is not only the author to them now, but Paul was the very one who founded this church, the one who came in preaching and teaching, converting them to this very faith and trust, the one who joined and connected them together, the founding pastor. He was the one with that big picture up on the wall that everyone reverently tells stories of remember the good old days when. But then there was this other one, this new pastor, Apollos. See, Apollos fit these Corinthian Christians. Is that They carried with them all of their baggage of their past lives and their present lives. Is that some of them were those who brought in with them all of that idea of Stoicism and that philosophy into their faith. That there were others that brought into their faith Epicureanism and everything that came. That some lived that very straightforward, do the right thing kind of life. There were others that say the whole point of life is just enjoy yourself while you can. But there were many in this church Because not only was it likely a wealthy church, but it was a well-educated church. They loved when their preachers had all the academic accomplishments to say it. They loved when their preacher was an eloquent speaker, wise and able to turn that phrase and to make them feel that amazing thing. That there were some that said, yeah, Paul's nice but we'd much rather hear Apollos preach on any day of the week. Is that that new guy, that new person that is taking us places different? But there were others, others that said, Paul, who's he? Apollos, he's nice. But for us, it's Cephas. That you might know him better as Peter, so why didn't they just call him Peter? is that Cephas was his Aramaic name, back to his Jewish roots. That these were those good old Lutherans, I mean, good old Christians, that liked it the way that things used to be. You know, back when we spoke the old language, back when we worshipped the way that we did in so many ways. Is that what do we see? So we see each and every section beginning to pick their own way. There were those that were sentimental and loved those memories with Paul. There were those that simply said that this is that measure of what church is, is that that new preacher doing that new and great thing. And to others, oh, it was that good old days. Is that some of that, you know, old-time rock and roll, if you will. But then there were some others that said that they were above all of that. They didn't care about Paul or Apollos or Cephas, that we follow Christ. I don't know about you others, but we follow the real thing. Because we all know that true unity comes together with a little bit of condescension, right? When somebody thinks that they're better than you, that always just makes you think, man, 
I want to hang out with them more often. <laughs> I said, no, what do we see? I follow, I follow, I follow, I follow, I, 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 I. I think we've determined the problem. Is that what is that very measure that I? I mean, with our first service, we had all the K through 2 here. I said, it kind of reminds me of that part in Finding Nemo is that when the fish flop up on the docks and they're surrounded by the seagulls, do you guys remember that part? What do they all say? Mine, 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 mine. When you look at your church, do you say mine? It's my church. Or is it Christ's church? When we look at what is that very measure, do we look at I or do we look at him? See, today we step before this very fact that Paul calls us to look not just at these people living a long time ago, but looking at ourselves and asking the question, is that how do we see ourselves fitting in those different places? That where is God calling us to unity, calling us to that very mending, reconciling, continuing to live as that people united together with a mission and a purpose? And where in your life are you living where division is tearing apart? Whether it's a relationship or a marriage or something of a workplace situation or whatever else, what is tearing it apart? Is I, me, and mine still so far always the center of that issue? So where does Paul start us? Where does Paul lead us? Paul reminds us, was Paul crucified for you? Gosh, I hope not. Is it, was Paul, were you baptized into Paul's name? Is it, do you have hope on that resurrection day to come that Paul will be coming back for you? No. Then why do we have hope? Because in Jesus Christ, and in his cross, in that very place where Paul begins to proclaim, not by eloquent or wise words, but by the very weakness of the very power of the cross, does Jesus begin to show us that where there is weakness, that he brings strength. That where there is poverty, those who are poor in spirit and poor in their very sins, that he brings the riches of his grace and his forgiveness. That where we admit that not by our leadership or our strength or our wisdom or our eloquence or by anything else that we can bring in from this world, but only by Jesus Christ, the one who died for you, rose for you, lives for you now, invites you to bring every problem of your past and your present and bring to him that very concern that he brings to you forgiveness and grace and promise and hope. He brings to you a peace of God that surpasses all understanding that because he is able to bring those things that are separated and make them again one, then may he grant to you this day and every day 
a peace that surpasses all understanding, that guards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. And so at this time, I invite you to please pray with me. That Heavenly Father, lead us out of the divisions within the church, the divisions that find themselves within our own personal lives. Give us grace to use your gifts for the good of all. Unite us under your gracious guidance, and above all, unite us together as those sinners who are gathered at your very foot of the cross as we come to find that very mercy and that very love. Is that how deep that very love is for us? And so may you continue to lead and guide us as we continue to lift all praise to you. Amen.